What is up? Welcome back to the Pack Center Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything Nevada athletics, episode 165. I am your host, Matt Hennepin. I'm here with my co-host, Isaiah Bros. We have a lot to get to today. Um, there was softball started up since we last talked two weeks ago. Um, of course, we didn't, we didn't, we weren't able to make our Super Bowl predictions, but the Rams won. Austin Corbett is now a Super Bowl champion uh, with Isaiah's Los Angeles Rams. Um, congrats. Thank you. Tennis played a few games. Baseball will be starting up this weekend. They play a three-game series at Grand Canyon. Um, women's basketball had a few games since we last talked, including two wins over Fresno State. Um, football, we had, we're waiting on the live schedule announcement. Um, they're announcing the schedule today. We are recording on Wednesday, February 16th. When the Mountain West officially, or is officially going to be releasing their schedule. Um, we're kind of waiting on that. That can drop it really any second. So we have a lot to get to today. Isaiah, how's it going, man? How's it going? Uh, How are you coming great. off your team's fresh Super Bowl win over the weekend? How are you feeling? Um, and more importantly, how many bobbleheads are you going to buy of Austin Corbett? Yeah, it's going to be upwards, you know, if you had to set a over-under. Like 26 and a half. 26 and a half. Are you slamming the over on that? I mean, I'm slamming the over on that one. Oh, it's good. Do they even have any Austin Corbett bobbleheads? I, I feel like we should get one. I think they sh- If so, I'll be looking. Okay. I'll be in the market. If we're in the market for an Austin Corbett bobblehead, send it over here. Yeah, send, send it, it over the Pack Center pod. Uh, we'll have we'll have a couple, um, and then the rest that Isaiah buys. The rest of like the remaining like fifty six that he buys just will go to him. That sounds like a plan, honestly. Okay. All right. But anyways, like it, in all seriousness, how's it going, man? Oh, doing great. No, it's it's this whole week's been awesome, and then topping it all off with the Super Bowl last week. It's been just been a good week. How's your week going thus far? It's going all right. Going all right. Had a couple tests. You know, you, the typical school life. Uh, it's it's been good. Nevada basketball is is finally back in their winning ways. That was nice to see last night. Um, well, they picked up their win against San Jose State last night, nine point win, eighty one seventy two, and then of course you had uh, Friday's win, Friday's thirteen point win over Utah State, which was a huge victory by far. I think the biggest victory of the season. But we'll get to that. Um, first, let's start out with tennis. Um, the men's tennis went one and two over the weekend. They lost six to one to Idaho State and four zero to Utah. But sandwiched uh, inside that was a four zero win over Linfield. And then women's tennis had one game over the weekend with a four three win over Sacramento State. Softball, they've been they've played five games since we last talked, um, though they've lost all five. Wasn't necessarily the prettiest of start or hasn't been the prettiest of starts. I mean, it, they do have a like they do have nine newcomers who have come into the team. Um, they do have a new coach, uh, Linda Gomez, who was previously at Fresno State, had racked up, I think, like over 240, 250 games there, went, had 160-plus wins, uh, had 21 All-Mountain West candidates, I think over four or five years over at Fresno State, um, in previous head coaching experiences elsewhere. Um, so this is like a really young team. They lost 10-2 to to San Diego in their first game last Friday. Um, and then they followed that up. They lost 12-0 with a loss to number three Utah State in the second game of that doubleheader on Friday. Um, and then they lost in 2-1 and 3-2 to uh, Cal State Northridge and 10-2 to Loyola Marymount on Sunday. So definitely not the prettiest of starts for Nevada women's softball. Again, this is a completely new team. Not a completely new team. I mean, they lost Kendall Fritz and some other stars, but they don't. 
they're they're a young team. They don't have much experience under their belt, so it's just good to get these get these games in. But unfortunately, on the wrong side of a lot of these games. But they'll get. I think they'll get better as the season goes on. They were picked to finish seventh in the Mountain West, or at least tied for seventh in the Mountain West in the preseason rankings out of nine teams. So it's not like they have a whole lot of expectations, anyways. But having a new coach, a new roster, or a kind of a new roster, um, we'll see how this develops over the season. Oh yeah, many newcomers coming into the fold and. You mentioned it previously. Losing Kendall Fritz, transferred to Texas Tech, that's going to be a big loss in the circle. But, you know, there is some excitement buzzing around campus for the softball team just with how many newcomers and how many positional versatility and defensive versatility they offer with their utility ability and... Utility ability. That's... Utility ability. I kind of <laughs> like that. Um, and like you said, it's, it's some tough competition to open up the year. I mean, number three UCLA is no joke. They've been softball star words for many years down running and in so many ways one or you know one way or another it's good to just rack up some games under our belt with this young group and we'll look forward to seeing them bounce back and I think it will once we head into some more palatable games I guess you could say um they have the North Texas tournament over the weekend where they will play five combined games again against Montana uh, Abilene Christian um and then just one game against North Texas so baseball Last week, they were picked to finish first in the Mountain West, though they graduated Dylan Shrum and Shane Gustafson, um, who was one of their relief pitchers. Dylan Shrum, by the way, just was incredible last year. At what Didn't he like lead the Mountain West in batting average and slugging percentage? He led like the nation. Led the, he led the nation. That's right. That's right. <clears throat> just had a sensational season, but they will return some key veterans in the process, including Tyler Bassetti, Dario Gomez, Cam Walty, and Josh was Zamora. They were... It's, I mean, always pick to finish first in the Mountain West. I mean, that does have a level of expectations, but um, this Nevada team is good. They return a lot of players, including, as a, as we just mentioned, Vicetti, Gomez, Walti, and Zamora, who are pretty f- four key pieces to their team, and um, hopefully we're able to uh, see that in fruition. I believe they finished 25-20 and 20 last year. Correct me if I'm wrong with the 29 conference record. Um, first NCAA tournament bid since 2000, I believe. And so this team, this team is good, and this team, I think, can sustain that level of success. Remember, they completely just thrashed conference play in the latter half of the year. Um, they went on that like big winning streak and event or big conference winning streak, and were able to uh, sweep, squeak their way in. Hopefully, results transpire, and hopefully, they're able to potentially secure another NCAA tournament bid this upcoming year. Oh yeah, most definitely. Gosh, what a year it was for Nevada baseball last year. I mean. It was a rough stretch to begin the season on the road against some formidable opponents, but come conference play, the bats woke up. And with a lineup that obviously does lose Dylan Schramm, Owen Schartz, who was drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates, but despite some of those absences, it's a loud group that's returning, especially on the offensive side. Tyler Bassetti, what he was able to do towards the tail end of last season was no joke. He set Absolute, yeah. a Division One record for consecutive games with a home run. I mean, there's some legitimate juice in all-fields power in his bat. Cam Walty is someone to keep an eye on moving forward as well because he's looking to be taking that role as the Friday night starter because Jake Jackson transferred. I forgot where off the top of my head, my apologies, but losing Shards and Jackson at the top of your rotation is going to hurt this year. But Cam Walty made serious strides as a freshman, someone to watch closely this season. And Dario Gomez patrolling center field was an offensive producer. And you know what? On both sides, consistently has some loud tools. So you combine that with, gosh, fifth-year senior now, Josh Zamora, who is yeah. tried and true in every facet of the game. 
this is a loud group and some intriguing underclassmen who continue to develop and they got some commits for the future that will be interesting to watch Carson Case comes to mind a true freshman this year to watch closely has some power from the left side so overall Nevada baseball picked a first in the Mountain West preseason poll I think for good reason but just be on the lookout because this year UNLV's pretty loud this year on uh, offense as well SDSU's pretty good this is going to be a tougher bid I think for conference and stacking up wins like we did last year so if we want to get a first place finish in another regional appearance I think we're going to have to do better in non-conference and get off to a better start than we did last year but we certainly have the pieces in place to make another deep run and I'm excited I cannot wait for Nevada baseball no I don't disagree with you at all um again they have the three game stretch at Grand Canyon then they are at Arizona State their first home game isn't until March 11th that's brutal. Because they have Santa Barbara, Cal Santa Barbara. They're at Air Force, and then they're home, their first like conference home game, or their first home game in general is uh, San Jose State for a three-game set beginning on March 11th. And they're Dixie State, Fresno State, uh, San Francisco, Missouri State, Oregon State, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like that's a pretty – yeah, it is a pretty beefy non-conference schedule. Definitely. Um, so hopefully they're able to like have, again, more success, as you mentioned. Um, you do mention some of the key recruits um, that will be coming in, not this year, and this, that doesn't pertain to this year, but also um, like in the future. And then, as you mentioned, I didn't even, I for completely blanked on charts yeah. getting drafted. And then, of course, uh, Jake Jackson uh, transferring. Yeah, it's going to be a couple key losses atop the rotation. And, you know, mentioning some of these non-conference opponents, Grand Canyon is known to be slept on no, in the Western all. Athletic Conference. They got two draft follows in Elijah Burris and Jacob Wilson, and they got a deep rotation. Um, obviously, Arizona State speaks for itself, the amount of talent they produce year in, year out. And it's interesting, too, because we're also going, you know, we're experiencing with the whack and going to Dixie State is interesting because they have a couple really high follows, and Caden Hollow comes to mind, catcher for Dixie State, who's pretty good behind the behind the dish and with the barrel. Um, and then you also mentioned UCSB. UCSB is going to have a first-round pick potentially and Jordan Sprinkle who plays up the middle. So we're going to have our hands full. Um, UCSB is another loud group in the Big West. So we're going to have our fair share. We're going to have our hands full. And as I mentioned previously, with a better conference this year on paper, it's going to be important for us to get off to a much better start. But I think we have the pieces in place to just do that and make some more noise in conference and see if we can climb the rankings, and maybe make our first – another regional, I'm sorry. I think we – I think the schedule's been released. Football? So the, the football schedule, yeah. Just checking. I was just checking to make sure it has been released. We will go over that very momentarily. Oh, yeah. Very shortly. Not momentarily. Very shortly. Um, unless – do you want to do it now? Yeah, yeah. If it's there, I mean, while you're looking that up, because we know the spring game is set for April 23rd at 6 p.m. Yeah, that was announced. That's exciting. A um, 6 p.m. spring game. How do you feel about that? Because considering it's April, I'm hoping the weather's, you know, turning up at that time. It's not going to be too bad in my opinion. I'm used to it being, wasn't it like 12 or 1 p.m. the past couple years? Yeah, I want to say it was. So I want to say, it, or at least around that time. I remember, I think last year was like, it's usually like mid-afternoon. I remember when... uh I was younger. I went to a couple spring games. Like I'm talking, like when I was like 11, 12 years old, and they were like morning, like early morning. Um, 
at least I, from what I remember, because I, I remember going, I think it was Fajardo's freshman year. Wow. Or it was either his freshman or sophomore year, and I went. I just went to one with my dad because it's like, all right, free day, like let's go to a spring game. Um, and it was like, from what I can recollect, it was like 9 a.m., 10 a.m., something like that. Um, and from what I remember, it was beautiful weather too. So I mean, it's not bad. But like, the, I I kind of like the 6 p.m. spring game. I think it sounds. It's cool. like it's early evening. Like, it's you're not burning in the sun. Like it's still like you're in that area where it's like nice weather the sun's not all the way down yet i mean well maybe who knows um kind of like that it's i like the vibe nice wind chill yeah ni- nice vibe to it and so i'm interested to see because usually yeah you're right it is like mid-afternoon i remember at least our first couple of years here at the university we were like kind of baked in the sun um at least while i was because i wasn't in the press box um for those games I think you and you and Ryan were. I know yeah. Ryan was for a couple of them. Yeah, I mean, not, underestimating those spring games is something not to do. That's awfully well, foolish. Well, it's just it can it can be hot. Not yeah. always, but it's Reno, Nevada. It's Northern Nevada, dude. You can never predict the weather. Uh, hey, it could be snowing in April. It could be we snowing. Don't. It snowed yesterday. I couldn't believe that. Was it? I thought it was last night. Last no, night. No, 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 no. It was two nights ago. Two see, nights ago. Yeah. Two nights ago. My bad. But yeah, it, yeah. it just goes to show this. Um, bipolar weather we have here in reno it's the just it's uh, the oddest weather it's the dumbest weather um but i also like it because it's not like super hot during the summertime i mean it can get a little it can get a little up there but it's also not like extremely like cold during the winter time at least mo- le- at least most of the time um it's more cold like if you go to like tahoe or somewhere like that but it's not the worst um although i am very anti-snow and anti-rain um, we can get to that on another podcast. People give me a lot of junk for that. I don't. I'm done. I'm done. I'm rain, I'm, snow. I'm, sick I'm done. I'm done. I've no. I've just always been out on it. Yeah. I've never been a fan of rain. I've never been a I'm fan out. of snow. I've always been like a sun guy. And people always ask me like, "What's your ideal weather?" I always say my ideal weather doesn't really exist because I'm in like the 75, like 80 degree weather, and I don't think anywhere, at least not if someone is or if there is a place, someone please let me know. Like 75, 80 degree weather, like light wind chill, um, sunny outside, maybe with a few clouds in the sky. Just I want that year round. I don't want any variance um, with that. Yeah, you might say the same weather over and over and over again might get a little boring. It might get a little repetitive. I don't think that way um, because I that's just my that's like the most ideal like weather climate for me um, and nothing else. No, I'm with you. When you said 75, 80, low wind chill, I was thinking Hawaii, but Hawaii has some serious storms, so <laughs> you had a luck on that one. I mean, yeah, during the summertime. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, to- I totally get what you mean, and with the spring game, being around that time. Yeah, I mean, you might get 75, nice. 80 degrees wind chill in it's gonna April be nice. time. I don't know. Um, but anyways, let's look at the schedule. Okay, I don't. the times aren't listed on here. I don't think they – well, usually the times and the – yeah, usually the times and like the television broadcasts are disclosed after mm-hmm. the fact. But anyways, Isaiah, are you ready? Yeah, I've I've been ready. Hold on, I'm trying to figure out this is okay, all right. I got the home in a way. Oh boy. Oh boy. Wait, what? I hope that's a good oh boy. You're getting a live reaction here on Pack Center. <laughs> yeah, you're getting the livest of live reactions. Okay, some of these are hard to discern whether they're home or away. Just all right, let's let's hold on. Oh, okay. All right. Got it. All right. You ready? 
Yes, sir. Home opener. Or not the home opener. Season opener. August 27th. Okay. At New Mexico State. So we'll be on the road to begin the season. Okay. Remember, uh, our non-conference schedule, we've been over this before, but our non-conference schedule is not good other than we play Iowa. Um, Our non-conference schedule includes New Mexico State, Texas State, and Incarnate Wood, the remaining three teams. Just they're not – if Nevada doesn't go 3-1 in that stretch, I don't know. What a steep drop off from last year. (laughs) And last year was good for our standards. My goodness. Um, Yeah. But, like, you have to go 3-1 and one in that stretch. You have to. That is a must. Um, but anyways, August 27th at New Mexico State. Home game, September 3rd versus Texas State. That's our second game. Our third game is home against Incarnate Wood. And then we round out our non-conference schedule with at Iowa on September 17th. I love the slow buildup to Iowa. Just, you know, Texas State, New Mexico State, Iowa. Boom. Our first conference game of the season at Air Force on September 24th. Gross. And then we have a two, we have a bye. We have a bye. And then mark your calendars, people. Mark your calendars. Circle it in big, big red or green in this instance. Home against Colorado State on October 8th. The return of Jay. <laughs> yeah, the return of Jay. Um, we should bring out the cannon. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> hey, you remember this, Jay? <laughs> uh, wait, what? Are they just going to, like, paint it green if Colorado State <laughs> <Yeah>. wins? <laughs> just put a Ram logo on it. Put some horns on it. Because Colorado State's probably going to beat us. I know. Um, I'm hoping anyways, for a warm welcome, fans. They're, give Jay a warm welcome. Come on, welcome. dude. They're not going to give Jay a welcome. What, why? I mean, mm-hmm. all right. Anyways, continuing with the schedule. Yeah, October 8th, mark your calendars. Um, if you have, like, any other plans that day, foresee yourself having plans that day. Just set them aside for three, three and a half hours. Um, I'm guessing it's likely going to be at night, so you might not have to anyways, but just in case. Um, the return of Jay Norvell, he should get a very uh, warm welcome with the fans. A lot of cheers, a lot of... Uh, we love you, Jay. No. Um, Absolutely not. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, anyways, continuing with the schedule. On the road at Hawaii on October 15th. So you, you get another. Chalk that up as a loss. My dad and I were actually having a discussion about this the other day about like Hawaii. And we were just, we both came to the conclusion that like, yeah, we just don't play good in Hawaii. Nope. And Hawaii is another team. Um, I think we talked about it last podcast. Um, Todd Graham had that whole fiasco there. They lost a lot of players. Chevin Cordieros now at San Jose State. Um, they had a lot of transfers, kind of like Nevada, but in because of a different reason. Timmy Chang is now their head coach over at Hawaii. But anyways, yeah, at Hawaii, those usually don't result in good results. Hence, two years ago. I think, what was it, two years ago in 2020? Was that our first? I can't remember. Was that, that was our first loss, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because we lost then then uh, the San Jose State game at the end of the season. Um, I think that was it, right? I I might be miss. I feel I feel like I'm leaving one out, but I they went seven and two, right? I yeah, seven and two. All right, yeah, something like that. I know that truncated season was weird. That was that felt like forever ago, by the way. Um, and then October twenty second, home against San Diego State. They, Nevada has a three game, three home games and four. It, I'm like fumbling my words. They have three games at home in a four-game stretch. Nice. Um, towards the end of the season, home against San Diego State on October 27th, and then on the road at San Jose State on October 29th. That's when we 
uh, meet up with uh, Elijah Cooks. There's a lot. There's a lot of like. Just players that are moving around the Mountain West that it's, I'm just going to have no idea that, like, I'm just going to completely forget. It's going to be a hey, I know you moment yeah. a lot of the time this whole year. Can't wait till we play at Colorado State. Um, and then we have two back-to-back home games, Boise State on November 12th and then uh, Fresno State on November 19th. And then we close the season, first time in a little while. Or actually, no, we did this in 2019 too, I believe, um, against UNLV on uh, November 26th. Infamous ending to that UNLV game. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. hope that doesn't happen again. <laughs> yeah, this time it's at UNLV. Um, Yikes. By the way, I, I want to ask you this question. Do you think Nevada can beat UNLV even with this roster? I think they will. I think they still have enough talent to beat them, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's, I'm seriously, objectively speaking, all bias aside, I still think both rosters are now obviously more adequate and more comparable, but... Even with our departures, I'm still thinking Nevada. Well, more adequate. Nevada's. Nevada's I would say more adequate. Oh, you mean more comparable? You, you, oh, okay. Right. I'm sorry, not adequately. Yeah, my, you said my more vocabulary. Adequate. I was like, what? Yeah, <laughs> my my vocabulary's been way off today. I'm not gonna lie to you. Been trying to sound too smart. Ah, you're fine. That's me. Anyways, that is the what was it one six? Nine. That's twelve game schedule. Um. You know we should be we do we have to go three and one in that conference. You, oh my gosh, you have to. But how are we also going to give them give them like a property valuation through their four games? Because it's like, oh, you play th- uh, two or your first three games against New Mexico State, Texas State, Incarnate Wood, um, unless if they lose one of them, um, and then Iowa. Yeah, and then Iowa. Who, I don't like watching Iowa um, because. They're often, or I, usually I would watch them against other Big Ten competition, and the Big Ten is just like they're like wackos. Um, or at least watching their game, it feels like you're just going insane half the time. Um, a lot of defense, not a lot of offense. Then at Air Force. Yeah. I uh, wish Colorado State was towards the end of the season. That would have been so much more. A way to kind of top off what could be a disappointing year, potentially. No, I just think the buildup. Yeah. The buildup towards the end of the season, because it's like, oh, you, that's your sixth game of the season. I mean, they do get two weeks off, though. Or not yeah. two weeks off. They get a week off. Yeah. It's going to be well-rested bunch, hopefully, by that point. I and... think I said two weeks by accident. Let's look at Colorado State's schedule. Who are they? Yeah. Playing? In the meantime, I, one of the things I do like is the comfortable kind of home stretch. Like you said, the three home games and four appearances. At home, that's, that's a, those are tough home games. Those Just are listen going to, to be tough. At least like the conference part of it. Colorado State, who's going to be pretty good. San Diego State, who's never a slouch. Boise State and Fresno State. Like, that is a brutal stretch. That's a that's a very good uh, home stretch. So hopefully like, we're able to squeak out wins in um, at least one of those games. I don't even know who at this point. I have no idea either. And then I mean the road stretch isn't as bad. I mean Air Force is usually pretty good. Hawaii's Hawaii is difficult. We don't we don't yeah we don't talk about Hawaii. It's difficult, but we just don't. It's, we just don't know. It's voodoo. Um, at San Jose State and then UNLV. Yeah, those are... San Jose State's probably going to be a decent team next year, I, I'm guessing. I have to look at their roster. Um, UNLV, it might, we might run into a scenario where Nevada and UNLV are the bottom two teams in the Mountain West. The I think is UNLV is like, tracking on their way up, though. I mean, they did end the season 
they were feisty in some of their games towards the end of this last season, the 2021 season, but I still don't think they're going to be uh, as good. But we have time to uh, evaluate mm-hmm. rosters and form opinions or whatnot, but just on the surface, I think Nevada can still hang with them. Not hang with them, but still beat them um, in any given game and retain the Fremont Cannon for the third consecutive year. Yeah, let's certainly oh, hope so. And in the meantime, I mean, just looking at that schedule from a from afar, it's it can get pretty brutal and everything like that. And um, it's 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 going to be a lot of tough conference games now. I mean, when you're losing that many key starters on both sides, and already with the seniors departing, along with the transfers. Gosh, we may be physically outmatched from a talent standpoint against some of those teams. Right. And, well, they I can't remember which writer did it, but ESPN published their Mountain West West Division preview um, the other day. And it said Nevada had 27% of their starters returned from a year ago. Or 20, no, 27% of its players. And so that's... Not that's like I think Hawaii. They also cited Hawaii, who's at like thirty three percent or something like that. Um, but like that's got to be towards the bottom of the conference, right? I mean, I would assume so. And what was how our, can you not? Like it has to be. And our biggest advantage coming into last season was our experience. And remember, yeah. we were granted an extra year of eligibility due to COVID. That helped a few guys on, especially on defense. And lot- it helps a few guys this year return, like Dom Peterson. Um, who would have graduated in a normal year, and Tyson Williams. Actually, yeah. I think Tyson, is Tyson, was Tyson a senior last year? I'm, I can't he, I think he might have been. He might have been. But anyways, yeah. Dom at least. So it's helping us again this year, but even more so last year. And it's just, yeah, this is going to be a different group of guys. And that's why it makes that spring game so exciting, just to see maybe who's been putting in the work in the offseason and who can maybe make some form of a positive strides or jumps and, you know, obviously we'll have that covered throughout this point. But, yeah, it's just looking on the surface. That schedule is going to be a little rough. Um, well, and the, what the spring game does is we'll, we finally get to see, like, what type of scheme schematically on both sides that Ken Wilson's running on the offensive and defensive side. Like, what's what are we going to be doing? Because, I mean, as we talked about ad nauseum, it's going to be different than the traditional air raid that we saw. Or, I guess, untraditional air raid, but it's different from the air, air raid nonetheless. Um, at least presumably it will be. I don't think, hence why you bring in so many tight ends, um, try to bring in all this offensive line, offensive linemen um, through the transfer portal and through recruiting, et cetera, et cetera. Nevada's going to be using a lot of different formations, as we talked about. They're going to be probably utilizing more of like the 12 personnel, um, potentially with the 22 personnel, depending on who they have um, in the backfield alongside one of Tawa, Lee, or uh, Cross Patton. And so there, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot different than what we've seen in past years. But it's gonna be I'm very intrigued for that spring game, especially since it's at six o'clock. That's the most re- that's the reason why I'm most intrigued. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll be something to look forward to for sure. And you brought up a great point with the schematic changes. That's that's the, that's gonna that's be all the buzz. Really the, that's the thing I'm most looking yeah. forward to when it comes to the spring game is what does this what schematically on both sides of the ball, specifically offensively, are we gonna be seeing um throughout the season? Isaiah, do you have anything else to add? No, sir. I'm ready to get hop into some basketball if you know what I mean. All right, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be back to talk some basketball. And we are back. Um, women's basketball uh, picked up a few victories over the weekend. And yesterday, they 
they did lose to San Diego State though last week, but they did pick up wins against New Mexico State and Fresno State. Um, their second win against Fresno State in I think a week and a half long span. They swept the Cavender Twins. Um, the Cavender Twins still like are like very good though, and among two of the best players in the conference. But um, Haley and Hannah Cavender also like just check out like their NIL deals. Like it's really cool to see like what they're doing. So, but anyways, Nevada did pick up the victory or victories um, against New Mexico and Fresno State. They kind of held off both of them. New Mexico, they Nevada did lead by 24 at one point in the second quarter. They almost, I think they cut it to, New Mexico cut it to like four with a minute and a half remaining. Um, Nevada was able to hold them off. And then yesterday, or not yesterday, I think Monday, in a tight contest against Fresno State, it was like back and forth, jostling back and forth throughout the entire game. I think it was tied with like a minute and a half left as well. Um, Nevada was able to close it out. And so just two pretty key victories. I mean, Mexico State, it was their third loss of the season, or third conference loss of the season, I beg your pardon. But it was still, that's still a big victory. It's always a big beat in Fresno State. I mean, I know Fresno State's not as good this year as they were in past years, but um, the Cavender Twins are still among two of the best players in the conference, as I just mentioned. Um, And so it was good to see Nevada squeak out those victories in that regard. No, and another two big wins against Fresno State on the year now. And like you said, the Cavender Twins are no joke. They're easily among some of the best in the conference. And for us to be able to hold off such a talented program like that only speaks volumes to what we've been able to accomplish this season. And obviously, we've had a couple bumps in the road. Uh, This week was no different, but we're still able to string together wins on a consistent basis and really show who we are as a team right now. And I think it's really nice. We've had a lot of contributors to the scoring column. We've had We've talked at nauseum just about the impact transfers we've had on this program and a lot of upperclassmen and seniors stepping up to the task. I was going to say plate, but we're not talking baseball. But as a whole, Nevada women's basketball has just been so impressive. And another big win against Fresno State once again. Yeah, Amaya West and Deja Hamilton uh, both had 16 yesterday. Or on, I keep saying yesterday, on Monday. Um, Alyssa Jimenez had 11 uh, Nia Alexander had 10, by the way. I, I think it was the Q&A that Anthony Miranda did for the Nevada Sagebrush. Please go check that out with Nia Alexander. That was really good. Um, the Cavender Twins combined for 37 points. Uh, Fresno State shot 47.2% from the floor, 37.5% from deep. Nevada shot 42.2% and were six, was 6 of 15, um, 40% from uh, three-point range. And so, yeah, just it's, and it's also good to see them close out these games strongly unlike the men's basketball team has for a majority of the season sorry that was a mean ricochet shot yeah <laughs> but anyway i mean it's again also against fresno state who's nine and 14 with uh i think five and seven in conference something like that so again they're not as good as they were in years past um but it was also monday's game was also on the road and so it's important just to squeak out these road victories you want to I, I mean that was that was a mean that was a mean ricochet. Yeah, shot. I feel bad for saying. No, that. especially since the men's team is playing, you know. Yeah, they're playing better of late. They're playing better of late. We just came off, like you said, arguably I would say pretty easily and arguably our best win of the season just a little while ago. So, just shout out women's basketball. They're they've just been a consistent bunch this year. Continue to kill it and seventeen and eight, nine and four in conference yeah, play. Solid, solid, and we're gonna keep this ball rolling. Men's basketball, however, I just completely just gave him a rude ricochet shot. But anyways, they're now 11-13, and 5-8 and eight in Mountain West play. Um, they've came they six-game losing streak. Um, a few of those without Grant and uh, 
Warren. Warren Washington, who's still out with a hand injury. I think he's missed seven straight. Um, but Cambridge and Sherfield have been just sensational in these last few games. Nevada picked up the 85-72 victory over Utah State on Friday, um, the 81-72 victory over San Jose State last night. Although that game was like really close for a long time, Nevada just kind of squeaked it out at the end. With the dominant play of Will Baker, Will Baker had 23 points on 11-13 shooting. He was sensational on the low block. I mean, I think he had all of his baskets plus, or it, with the exception of his one free throw make um, in the paint. I mean, he doesn't. I And at the beginning of the year, I was kind of, I was talking to people about this. Like, I kind of wanted him to be more aggressive, kind of tap into that aggressiveness a little bit. And he found the right matchup yesterday with San Jose State. I mean, San Jose State, they are one of the bigger teams in the Mountain West in terms of overall size, but... Most of that is just big wings that they have. They have a few like six, 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 seven guys. And yesterday, like at least towards the beginning of the game, they were feeding them off switches. I mean, they were switched. They they didn't let they didn't let Grant get downhill because usually, um, Grant would get downhill if they're not playing like drop or whatever. So, um, they they were switching and kind of trying to flatten out the offense a little bit. And Grant and others just kept feeding Will, and Will was very good. I mean, he had I think nine of the team's final 10 points down the stretch as well. So, I mean, great start and uh, end to the game. I mean, he had, he got in foul trouble a little bit, um, if I can recall correctly, but he he was outstanding. I think it was one of the best overall offensive performances I've seen from him this season. I mean, the San Francisco one was also really good where he had, what, four or five threes within, like, the first few minutes of the game or something like that. Like, he went bonkers from deep, but... This is this was one of the games where it was like he tapped into that aggressiveness down low when he was on the block, and against also just taking advantage of mismatches, which has been I think really key, or it's going to be really key, um, in those games where teams are just switching one through five. I mean I don't foresee that happening a whole lot, but um, it happened yesterday. Also one of the reasons, probably one of the reasons why, given their size or given their size or lack thereof, San Jose State is one of the worst teams in the not just in the conference but in the entire nation just defending inside the arc and defending that painted area Nevada had 50 points in the paint yesterday which is I mean I don't know if that's a season high or not it has to be though 50 points in the paint that's like that's remarkable anyway let me just ask your thoughts on the game oh yeah I mean I thought it was really important to see once again we got to see some of that offensive upside Baker presents and it was really good seeing him being fed on the low block and kind of dominating dominating in that area I'm glad you kind of pointed that out and being able to really show what he's capable of. We've seen spurts of it throughout points of the year, just not a ton of consistency. No. And at the same point, what's been another common denominator from these last couple wins is, once again, um, the dominance of our two guards, Sherfield and Cambridge. Cambridge in particular has been pretty sensational, even in a few losses. Colorado State comes to mind as well, what we talked about. But it's just been... We're starting to see, finally, some clicking offensively, it seems like, and maybe more of a fluid group on the floor and... It's been good. I mean, this was a winnable game, obviously, against San Jose State closer. Yeah, San Jose State's not good. And this was, I'm just glad we took care of business because some of these games we've been taking for granted at the beginning of the year, heading into the season, we thought, you know, obviously we'd be doing a lot better at this point, but maybe we're starting to pick things up a little bit, especially in the offensive end and getting our buckets in different ways. And maybe we're taking uh, the lid off the basket too in terms of our shooting as well because we've been hot. Yeah, our shooting... For, there was a big stretch. I mean, the shooting has been like pretty inconsistent the entire year, but there was a big stretch where they just couldn't like hit a three, um, and they haven't. They're they're now more so working inside out, um, meaning they're trying to establish 
uh, in the interior and inside the arc, and then I'm willing to kick out for some threes if need be. I mean, at the end of the first half yesterday, it was Nevada was four or five from deep. All four, all five of those attempts came from Desmond Cambridge. Desmond Cambridge was four or five from three in the first half. So I mean, it wasn't. It, I mean, yeah, we know Des is going to hoist it whenever he gets the opportunity to, and especially lately because I mean he's been red hot as you mentioned. But yet most of the team just hasn't been willing to settle for that and hold. So part of that is because of what happened with Baker yesterday. Nevada's kind of taking advantage of the interior. I mean, Nevada did pick it up in the second half, especially down the stretch offensively. And again, a lot of that just came from working inside, working in the paint, getting uh, feeding or setting up Baker to be in positions to be successful. And I thought that was really uh, important, especially since we saw it earlier in the game, because it's something we haven't really seen much, especially with Warren out, because Warren's usually that guy to like, all right, you feed him on the low block, we'll have Baker space perimeter a little bit, get him in handoffs, get him in uh, different actions. I mean, with Warren, it's like, all right, we, we're going to utilize Warren in the pick and roll more. Now we've seen a little bit of a transition in that kind of aspect with Will because he's the lone starting big man on the floor. And we also we also saw some pretty decent minutes from K.J. Himes yesterday, and DeAndre Henry got a little bit of run. Um, and so it wasn't, it wasn't just Baker, but Baker obviously in the end finished with 23 points. Yeah, and like you said, he had big shoes to fill, and he filled them. You know, having that presence down low without Warren Washington's huge for our offense and defensive end of the floor, and seeing Baker provide some of that scoring, a big chunk of that scoring, mind you, against San Jose State is exactly what we needed, and ultimately it was the recipe for success. Another guy that's piqued my, I don't want to say piqued my interest, but who's looked much better lately has been Trey Coleman. That's great to hear. Because at the beginning, yeah, <laughs> for yeah, for you. Um, but, like, in the beginning of the year, or for a big chunk of the season, he just wasn't really adding anything offensively. I think a couple podcasts ago, I said he was a minus offensively, and that's really truly what it felt like. I mean, he's been, and he's been good defensively the entire year. He's one of Nevada's best defenders, as you and I both know. But he's, it seems like he's finding his offensive rhythm. He more and more so. I think I tweeted this from the Pack Center account during last night's game, but he's looked more and more like the 2020, 2021 Will Baker, or not Will Baker, Trey Coleman um, that we saw a year ago where it wasn't, he wasn't necessarily trying to force anything. I mean, he's he's picking, he's not really picking his spots because he's not, honestly, not getting a whole lot of touches, but um, when he is getting those open shots, he's knocking them down, and I think that's super important for this offense because he, if he begins knocking those down at a 35-ish percent rate, um, as opposed to like a 15% clip as he was for um, a large portion of the season or even below that. Um, he it's he it gives him a reason to be on the floor. Um, maybe defenders will start respecting him a little bit. I don't anticipate that, but it, listen, they, if he's open and he keeps knocking him down, um, keep giving it to him in those certain opportunities. I mean, I'm looking right now over his past six games, he's shooting 45% from deep or 46% from deep on two attempts a game. Um, he's averaging seven points, three rebounds, one point uh, eight assists, and one and a half steals. I mean, defensively, we know. Yesterday, he was tremendous off the ball defensively, in my opinion. And um, of course, he was good on the ball. But he, his offensive game has really like kind of raised his ceiling over these last six games. And um, I've been impressed. Just, I'm really happy to hear that. Just because, like, we know what he's capable of on the. Defensive end of the floor. He's one of our best on and off ball defenders, and he's shown that since he's been a true freshman. But the question that needed to be answered was how much of a 
offensive leap can he take heading into this year? And it's been a disappointment for most of it, but seeing him gain some confidence in his shot again these past six games is, in a way, it's exactly what Nevada needed in a way. We do a lot of drive and kick, and we need guys to have the confidence and ability to hoist them up and ultimately make them. So seeing Coleman have that ability to at least be more respectable right now as a shooter, I really hope it boosts his confidence and we can see more growth out of him you know, in the blue and white because he's he's special in some aspects as a defender and athletically and, you know, he's not afraid to get physical and everything like that. But just him trying to take those strides offensively is huge for what we're trying to build here going forward. And I really hope he can continue making those strides, as we said. Talking about making strides offensively, Desmond Cambridge. Desi, he's back, man. Yeah, he's yeah he's all the way back. He's he back. did hit a little bit of a wall. Um, I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but he did hit a little bit of a wall during conference play. Um, but he has been cooking. He's been cooking. Lately. What he's doing with the ball in his hands right now? He just well, he, like just he he has that swagger. He has that confidence back. You know, it, dude. It's twenty twenty like late season like Mountain West tournament. Desmond Cambridge getting flashbacks of that just hoisting him up the confidence is at an all-time high right now and when his shot's falling you said a couple podcasts ago it's one of the most dangerous shot makers in the entire conference when he's able to get hot because he will fire off points in a flurry and we're seeing that unfold he reminds me of like the Marcus Marshalls when he was here where he just has the greenest of green lights um no matter what and Someone on the broadcast said it last night that, like, I don't think there is, like, a bad shot for Desmond Cambridge in that respects. But, like, all f- it's it's more so of just them going in because there was – I can't remember. He went one for 11 from three in one game. I can't remember what it was. This was, like, oh, like a month ago. And they were looks that – usually open looks that would usually go in for him. And it did, just the confidence on the offense – or not – the confidence, the swagger on the offensive end just wasn't there. And now, like, every time he touches the ball, it feels like it's going in. Or every time he shoots it, I mean. But uh, Yeah, I mean, and you said it. That's the greenest of green lights. You're absolutely the right. The absolute greenest of green lights. Because when he is certainly not afraid to hoist them one way or another, and it's just been one of those years right now for Cambridge where he's been hoisting them up, still at a pretty high rate. And some of those shots just haven't fallen, but... It was a New Mexico game, I just... Thank you. I was trying to look that up. Yeah, it was New Mexico. That was a while back, but he was 6-20 from the floor. That was kind of the start of his, like... Slump. Slump. Uh, 6-20 from the floor, 1-11 of from deep. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. Thank you. I was just trying to find that. And And the good thing is he's never wavered from his confidence. He's, you know, he's not in his head, you can tell. And now at this stretch and this point in the season, he's playing his best ball. And that's exactly what we need right now without Warren Washington, a big presence for us down low. With Sherfield getting back to 100%, we still need Desmond to take over some of that scoring load and do what he's been doing these past few games. And it's been impressive to see. He is a very talented shot maker. Um, he just knows his way around the floor and knows how to put the ball in the basket um, at points, you know, obviously it can be inconsistent at times, but when he's on, man, he's on and he's fun to watch. He did hit a little bit of a wall, not a little bit of a wall, but he did, uh, 
missed his final three threes last night. He shot four of 12 from the floor, but he's still over his last three games, albeit three games, um, averaging 26 points a game, uh, seven rebounds, one and a half assists, one and a half steals, one and a half blocks, uh, shooting 62% from deep, or not 60%, 62% from the field, uh, 65% from deep um, on nine three-point attempts a game. Wow. Yeah. Hello. Doing quick math here in my head. He is 17 of 26 from deep. Wow. Over his last three games. Quick math in my head. Those are some numbers. Yeah. So, yeah, he's been outstanding. I'm interested to see um, how he and Grant both kind of develop. I mean, I think Cambridge, there was a shot yesterday where it was like an above the big, above the break three. I can't remember who passed it to him, but like he looked off balance. And he still, without hesitation, hoisted it up, made it, and it was just like, whoa, like this guy is on fire. Um, as the famous Mark Jones from ESPN used to say, or he, now of, he also does yes games on ESPN, but he's also doing broadcasting for the uh, Sacramento Kings. He's hotter than fish grease. One you loved that favorite. one, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I love, dude, Mark Jones is awesome. Yeah, he's a good dude. He's a good dude. Um, but, Shout out Mark Jones. Yeah, shout out Mark Jones if you're ever listening to a Nevada sports podcast. Um, but anyways, I'm also interested to see, I mean, I think Grant had another like good passing game yesterday. Again, a few of those were just entry passes to Will, I hope. Um, I wonder what Will's role is going to be like once Warren gets back, when Warren gets back. Again, he's missed like seven straight with the hand injury. I don't know when he'll be back. Um, they're Again, they're, they're usually pretty like tight lip on that stuff and so yeah I mean it's something to certainly monitor going forward and he's still giving it his all on the floor not even being at 100% and still playing at a pretty high level and he's always been able to score and distribute at a high level and something that needs to be taken account of going forward is just how much reliance can be on top of them and uh, being able to score and contribute in a much bigger fashion this is a very important stretch for Nevada yeah definitely it's you know it's kind of like a litmus test for us not necessarily a litmus test but it's important to get back on track because they have the game against San Jose State this weekend and they they have like San, not San Diego State or maybe a Boise or I think the San Diego State towards the end of the, like the last game of the season but they have Boise State and Wyoming both on the road um, UNLV at home, so it's like they have those are three pretty tough games just to close the season. You want to build this momentum so you're at least able to finish um, on a good note instead of having losing all of these games like we did just recently. Oh, yeah, definitely. No, this is going to see what we're made of as a program and, you know, just what this season's going to really come down to at this point. Um, got to get healthy, obviously, but got to continue our high level of offensive play and continue to play with effort. We are in a little bit of a time crunch here, but anyway, anyways, Isaiah, do you have anything more else more to add? Uh, no, sir. Thank you for listening. Give us a five-star rating. Um, please send Isaiah the link to all the bobbleheads, Austin Corbett bobbleheads, if you find them online. Um, or Austin, if you have any bobbleheads of yourself, perhaps. So, yeah, make sure to send Isaiah a link. Um, I know he's going to be buying several hundreds of them over the next few years. Um, you might just... I'm I yeah I'm gonna buy the entire yeah box. just it's yeah, mine just send all of the just send all of them to Isaiah as like a like a podcast gift just yep. be like Isaiah 
We're what? We're at 165 episodes right now? Yeah. Send Isaiah 165 Austin Corbett bobbleheads. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening. Give us a five-star rating. Like and subscribe. See you guys next week. Thank you.